When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, I am going to be playing Swift, and I'm going to be playing the adventure Seven Goblins Part 6, The Search for Mamlico. That's in the Goblin Corps Inn, in southwest Tosa. I'm just getting to that right now. It's in the Heart Hills, South Todd Glen, Goblin Corps Inn. There it is. Well, let's read the description then. At the end of a short, steeply pitched path, just off the main road that winds through South Todd Glen, stands the notorious Goblin Claw Inn. Under the ownership of Goodsmill and his wife, Gloria, the inn has fallen into an advanced state of disrepair, and upon first glance appears to be little more than a squalid eyesore. The dinner of the establishment's motley, and largely unruly patronage sails out of a pair of crooked windows or on either side of the inn's heavy oak door. Beneath the windows, on either side of the door, sit several figures. Each of them slumped over. You have little doubt they have fallen victim to the claws. Legendary harsh batch of brew. An unpleasant odour emanating from the Chapel stable, not far to the right of the inn, is almost unbearable. I'm just going to enter the inn now. There I go. The interior of the Goblin Claw Inn is, as, is, is in as much disrespect as the notorious establishment's Ramstagel exterior. Despite the squalid state of the inn's common room, it is, so, it is crowded with patrons claiming for food, drink, and the attention of, half, of the half-dozen servants are scurrying around. Well, I guess it must have good booze. Otherwise, why would they go to somewhere so scruffy? Well, a blazing fire at one end of the long room casts its flickering orange light over everything within. Its warm, soothing glow almost makes you oblivious to the roxious din and unpleasant odours that continually assail your senses. Two cross swords hang over the wall above the mantle. Behind the swords hangs the ornate shield you retrieved from the vermin-infested cellar of the inn. And that is an adventure you may hear about another time, perhaps. So, I'm going to take a seat in the common room. You sit at a table in front of the fireplace. Vampires basking in the flickering glow of his warring blaze as your eyes wander the common room ground. An inservant moves past and places a frothing flagon of the bitter house ale in front of you. Compliments of Woodsmill. Well, free booze. Right, I guess I'm going to stay here and see what adventures can happen. And there we are. There's two adventures here. I'll just click on Seven Goblins Part 6. And that's got the 
little teaser. But it's into the cellar of the Goblin Claw Inn and onto the trail of Mamiko. Alright, starting the adventure. Bark on this adventure. Seated at a table not far from the fireplace, with your back to the wall and your feet drawn up upon a wobbly chair, you spent the better part of the of this rainy summer's evening keeping score. As your eyes wander the throng that fills the common room, you'll pour over the tally you're so diligently crafting. Three fights! One of them started by Goodsmill, a minor ball, which came to the pot when a Granada early split the skull. Score. Skip. Split the skull of the foul-mouthed traveller with an iron rod. Nine spilled flagons of fail, one broken chair, and a grand total of six patrons shown the door. Well, it is a very nice door. Uh, that, that's me saying, saying the last sentence. Five of them, and five of them, by the way, of Buxman's Cudgel. All tallied, it's just a bit relatively quiet, quiet night at the Goblin Claw. You might make your way, way, way over to have a word or two with Grunswick, who appears ready to turn in for the night. Night when the front door's open and an old man with a thick mop of drenched white hair steps into the inn. At once he is greeted with several cheers and receives a tender embrace for a passing serving girl. Okay, lucky guy, I guess. He, he places his short leather hat, hat on the nearby table and shakes the wane, click, the wane from his heavy cloak. A man sitting next to you tells you, tells you the old man's name is Booim, and he's a spellcast to sops into the air on a quite regular basis. He's no one here. It's tricks by some of the older folks. He always got, he's always got a few of those where this go. Come on, then, father. How about a trick? The old man laughs and several others join in and call, call, him, call for him to produce perform some of his magical tricks. He holds up his hands to, si to silence them and then proceeds to dazzle the crowd with several clever, though not particularly amazing, feats of, mi of minor magic. The, the cotton room cloud cheers wildly, lifting a smile from the old man. You glance over at Grudsman and are curious to note that he is warning his eyes and frowning. You're all much too kind, says Brynham, as he removes his cloak and places it on the back of a chair. Now, if you should clear a spot in the middle here... Yes, right, that should do. I'll show you a trick of lights, the likes of which you may never see again. The bold proclamation stirs the patrons into action. They leap from their seats and begin to clear the minimum of the common room floor, pushing tables to the walls and shoving chairs aside. Crossbow even helps move one of the larger tables and is promptly chided, chided by several of the patrons as he struggles to move the weighted piece. With the stage now set, Bruhim takes his place at the centre of the common room floor and, and draws out a black, black cloth which he opens across the palm of his left hand, passing his right hand over it twice and occlusion of the second pass, you're quite surprised to behold that a bright orange salamander has appeared in the middle of the cloth. This, my friends, is Mamlico. Ooh, that's who Mamlico is, he says, spraying his fingers over the tiny, his finger, tiny amphibian. He's not just any ordinary creek crawler, mind you. He's capable of disappearing and reappearing at will, among other times. 
Now, allow me to demonstrate that. Brion closes his eyes and swirls his right hand in a clockwise motion above Mamlico, who remains still at the centre of the cloth. Uh, suddenly, the old mage opens his eyes again and leans in close to the amphibious breast. No, no, you needn't worry, old friend, he says, apparently speaking to the man. Yes, yes, I'll bring you right back. You're my oldest and dearest friend, after all. No, no, you've nothing to fear. From somewhere towards the back of the crowd, Grunt's most eyes. The mage, no to many of these passers, Swiss again closes his eyes and repeats the clockwise gents gesture with the right hand. He mumbles a few indiscernible words, and suddenly his eyes fly open in a horrified look past over his wrinkled face. By the all father, he cries in a fierce voice, I've gotten it backwards! For several moments, nothing happens, and you're beginning to wonder what was the reason for an sudden and profound state of life, when suddenly he staggers back, dropping the cloth from his precious salamander to the floor. In a blink of an eye, the bright orange salamander, that was no longer their new index finger, has suddenly grown to nearly the size of a small dragon! What was once ago a harmless devourer of insects is now a terrifying creature that appears as if it could swallow a man whole. Brim begins waving his arms about wildly and muttering strange words, as if he's attempting to reverse his muddled magic. Grupso, shouting at the top of the curses the old, old mage and orders him to call off a train. I can't, it's not a trick, I just need to... Bloom's words are cut short as the salamander flicks its massive tail, sweeping its elderly master off his feet. The massive salamander lunges forward, sending the, the squeaking patrons surging for the door. As the monstrous creature turns, for, turns towards Gritsmo, who leaps, aw leaps away and, and steps back towards the fire mess, you boldly leap into its past, determined the, to prevent the beast from harming it. Pursuing its hopeless break. Don't hurt him! Cries Brim as he gains. Gains please. Please don't hurt him! I, I can reverse it! I just need a bit of time! The desperate words of the old maze ring in your ears as the salamander steps towards you. Silently stretching wide its fearsome jaws as it prepares to strike. Now I can use... Use magic. I can use shadow magic, elementalism, telekinesis... Illusion and fortification. I'm going to use illusion because it's usually the most fun. Oh, bugger. <laughs> oh, that's just tipper. My, my internet just went out. Well, I'll have to pause it now and when I get it back, we'll continue. Okay, here we are. Uh, now we're back. Choosing back right where we started. Choosing shadow magic again. 4xp to shadow magic succeeded. You cha You channel your... Oh, 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 I switched to shadow magic. Well, uh, this is just as good. You channel your power of shadow magic and at once your head is filled with sinister whispers. The gloom that lingers in the far corner of the, of the conroop suddenly begins to whipple and weave as long fingers of shadow sliver across the floor and draw up a form to form a dense web in front of the salamander. 
The creature warily draws its head away from the web of glue. Obviously startled by the unexpected turn of events, the massive salamander turns and charges back towards the back of the inn. As the monstrous salamander rushes towards the rear of the calm room, it begins to rapidly shrink. Once, the, once it reaches a door leading into one of the inn's back rooms, it has once again assumed its normal, diminutive size. The bright orange creature darts, in, darts into the room with, with you. Goodsmill, with you, Goodsmill, and Brehim in pursuit. The three of you arrive just in time to see Malmeco slip through a crack, crack at the edge of the wooden hatch leading down to the cellar and disappear from view. Buming cries out in, in dismay, and Gutsmu curses aloud, stomping, and still cursing. Gutsmu unbolts the hatch and, and throws it open. A really fine trick it was, snarls the sweet keeper. A real dandy! <laughs> For a moment, the three of you stand staring down through the hatch into gloom the cellar below. There is no sign of the salamander, leading to believe the creature has probably scampered into some shadowy corner of the inn's underbelly. Well, I don't need that thing wandering around down there, only to pop out on, on stew night and start swallowing guests. I don't have to pack in the regulars as it is, roars Christmas, casting an angry glance at the old maid. It's your charge, Trix. Go on now, go on now and fetch him. Buriam turns his sad gaze to you. You take the opportunity to introduce you. I have a great favour to ask you, friends. He says in a wavering voice. With Grutzman listening in, the old mage tells you that he has little to offer you. But we would be forever grateful if you go down to the cellar and return Memico to safely. The trick was my folly, he says. As a tear falls in the choir's eye. Dear, dear Mamiko needn't pay for my poor judgment. He's all alone down there in the dark, and not overly wise in the way of wise things. I fear only great harm awaits him. Well, you find it somewhat difficult to believe that any great harm could go before creature capable of going to the size of a small dragon in the blink of an eye. Bruin's impassioned plea wins you over. As the tear streaks down the old man's face, you tell him that you will gladly go down in search of the salamander. Without a word, Brian steps forward and throws his arms around you, hugging you tightly. Thank you, what? he says, wiping a tears from his eye. Memico is really all I have left. Oh, for all that's divine, grumbles Gritsmill, rolling his eye and shaking his head. Let's be on with this. Gritsmill pushes past Buim and steps in front of you. With his hands placed firm on his hips and his jaw trembling, he thanks you for agreeing to go down to the salamander, catch him, and down into the cellar and catch the salamander. Make sure you get him, Wood. Crush it beneath the stone for all I care. Much rather not see that thing run, run back up through that hatch. The innkeeper's words elicits a fearful shriek from Buriam, who steps in front of Grosmo and again implores you to bring back Mamlico alive. Here, these will help you do the trick, at least for a small while, he says. 
fumbling one yard in, in his satchel and finally retrieving a worn leather pouch. Grumps I've got in there still turns to its normal size. Needs even one of them. I've no idea how long the effect might last, but perhaps just long enough. Please, Woods, you must not hurt him. I beg you. Broom hands you the pouch, uh, and pouch is weak as you take home with it. Item added. Bag of white worms. Okay, I'm going to view its description now. This small leather pouch is filled with an unpleasant assortment of wiggling white worms. According to Broom, tossing these worms to Mimico may temporarily reverse the magic that causes his size to fluctuate. Its class is miscellaneous and it's zero encumbrance. You promise Brim that you will do all you can to return his pet unarmed, and he smiles. You sense he is still very much ill at ease with the entire turn of events. The old man tells you to sit here and keep watch on the hatch while you go into the cellar, in case Mamako returns. In response, Grootsburg promptly announces he will stand, that he too will stand guard of the hatch. He casts a derisive glance at Brim. With that, you cautiously descend into the cellar of the inn. You stand at the threshold of Goblin, Goblin Court in old cellar. Behind you is a decaying wooden slab, the first of three. Successive doors that serve to separate this part of the cellar from that which leads up to the inn. Your previous endeavour in this unsavoury in these unsavoury confines served to rid the cellar of the horde of vermin that had infested it. Despite your victory, these still passages still remain a most unpleasant sort of place. To the east, uh, old cellar disappears into gloom. Realising you had better not leave the cellar until you replace the missing sandwater, prepare to set off along the shadowy passage. Okay, now you can see a map. There's there's a main corridor. There's four corridors coming off it. North, north, northwest, northeast, southwest, southeast. Oh, a damp, I'm describing this. A damp, unpleasant odour assails your senses as you cautiously make your way through the gloom of the old inn cellar. An eerie silence fills the musty, twisting passages. Out of the corner of the eye, you sat sight of a shriek of orange at the edge of your light. So, yep, yep, just exploring the map. Ooh, orange again. This is a mouldy part of the cellar. The walls and floor in this part of the cellar are thick with grey mould. Yeah. Oh, oh, another glimpse of Mamnico. Stay still, would you? I want you back to your regular size. I'm rotten. I went into the north-west part just now. Rotten wooden shows line the walls of this cellar passage. Uh, and now back to back to the main corridor. Alright, yeah. And out the corner of the eye, I caught sight, caught sight of a streak of orange at the edge of your light. Alright, I'm going into the northeast quadrant with mouldy half rotten casts. Rest against the walls of this section of the cellar. Oh, nothing going on here. 
Uh, I'm gonna go down to the southeast part. Uh, I'm coming up to a question mark on the map. That means something might happen. You progress along the passage, comes to a abrupt halt as you suddenly encounter a curious scene. Crouched at the edge of the polished brass hat set in the cellar door are two hooded figures. The two figures have their backs turned to you and appear to int intently examine the hatch. Before encountering this hatch on the previous expedition in the cellar, they were almost certain it was in a different location. Taking care to move with as little noise as possible, you sneak along the passage and position yourself with only a few yards within only a few yards of the two hooded figures. The remain crouched over the brass hatch. Suddenly one of them turns to the side, revealing you giving you a clear look at his face. It's the hideous face of a goblin. Oh, about time we saw a goblin, considering that it's seven goblins. Series of adventure, which is all about goblins. Wondering how it is that two goblins managed to slip into the cellar of Vienne and what they are up to at the hatch. Bounce their tent. Attempt to steal closer and a vicious snarl from behind makes your blood run cold. You spin around in time seeing a large, foggy, large hooded figure standing behind you and the edge of a long blade squeaking, streaking at you out of the shadows. Oh, I can use skills, I can use skills or powers again. Use unarmed combat, fortification, telekinesis or shadow magic. Gonna go for unarmed combat. Clickety click click. You successfully used on our combat for one for one on combat experience points. Nice. Utilizing your skill of on on combat, you manage to deflect the blade and strike the wooden goblin a staggering blow that sends him stumbling backwards into the gloom. Before the goblin can fully recover, you are upon him, determined to obtain your upper hand in what promises to be a brutal melee in the narrow confines of the gloomy cellar passage. The large goblin grunts, he slashes you with his cruel sword. Now I'm entering battle with the large hooded goblin. I'm going to fight it aggressively. 8 damage, 10 damage, it's slashing me with its sword. 18 damage, it's more half dead now. 11, 39 damage, I just rolled a 20, and it's dead. Oh, I was fighting with the staff at the time. Just to see that. Yeah, it was actually Tilera's staff, which, let's see. Which, uh, can't, I can't describe it to you because that would be spoilers. Eight experience, six to weaponry, two to general. The hoodie goblin drops the. Drop, drops the Drops, the cellar floor, drops to the cellar floor in front of you and expires. It's too kin, the head's also concealed by thick dark cloth. It's stead back from the brass out to examine and throw up their hands in apparent sign of surrender. You're about to ask the goblins what it is they are doing in the cellar of the inn and how they are wise here, when the two creatures suddenly bolt, dashing by either side of their dark. Realising the folly and headwork of following goblins in the dark, decide not to take up pursuit. Instead, you make a complete search of the body of their slain kinsman, and finding nothing of any interest among his belongings, you turn your attention to the strange hatch. 
You step forward and closely examine it back. Despite the unfavourable conditions in this old cellar, the, the polished brass hatch bears no tarnish. As before, when you reach towards the hatch, it suddenly goes bright white and your hand is forcibly reposed. It seems that the powerful magic that is protecting the wavy brass portal is still in place, despite whatever it is the three goblins were up to. While you find yourself more curious than ever about what lies beneath the hatch, you dutifully return your attention back to the reason, decided to descend into cello in the first place, and resolve to once again take up your search for the salamander. Malamical. Uh, a, a sudden loud snort from high makes your hair stand on edge, and you suddenly turn around to face the source of the unsettling sound. I bet it's the salamander. Standing in the middle of the passage, less than ten yards from you, is Mamlico. Now, once again, the size of a small dragon. The fearsome amphibian, its unblinking eyes fixed on you, takes several steps in your direction. Particular item. Oh, I think I know which one that is. Now, I'm looking for that item. A bag of white worms. Use. Suddenly recalling the pouch of worms that Bdimian gave you, you toss the... S oh, I I've just used it up. I only need it. Why don't I use the whole bag? This is silly. You're very silly, what? Which is the name of the adventure. Anyway, I got 32 general experience. Suddenly recalling the pouch of worms that Bdimian gave you, you toss the sore eyes onto the ground at Mamlika's feet. The monstrous salamander pierced Pierce pats on his second before before snatching up snatching up his fearsome jaws and devouring it. Well, I hope that worked. You watch in fascinations when the span of only a few few moments the bright orange salamander reverts to its normal diminutive form. However, before you can lean down and sweep Rupin up, the, the struggling creature darts to the left and sweeps off into the darkness. You dash along the cellar passage in pursuit of the fleeing salamander. Malenko proves to be a fat, fast and agile as the elusive creature scurries swiftly into the lungs, staying just beyond your grasp. Uh, I'm doing. There's a check now. I'm got heights between. I pick a random number between one and one hundred, and I get a bonus of fifty. Twenty from agility, ten from luck, and twenty from woodmanship. And I got to get a hundred to win. To succeed, and I just got 145, so, yep. Alright, check passed. I experienced the general. You managed to corner the fleeing Samanda at the end of the passage and waste no time scooping up the wily, wiggling creature. Watching your hands, Melanico becomes surprisingly calm, and is shot when he slowly climbs up your arm and settles himself under your shoulder. With escape Salamander cl clinging to his newfound perch, you immediately turn and set off with the gloom, eager to make your way out of the cellar. You climb back up to the inn and find the small black room onto which you've ascended. It's filled with a sizable crowd, crowd of onlookers eagerly awaiting your turn. However, as the patrons take note of the salamander perched on your shoulder, they quickly retreat into the common room, leaving only Burim and Grutzwood behind. Don't you trust me? I wouldn't have this salamander on my shoulder if I hadn't tamed it. Eh? I mean, I'm a hero. I don't bring deadly creatures into pubs. I find them in pubs. Other people bring them in. 
It actually it happens quite a lot. They end up finding things in pubs because pubs are great. <laughs> pubs are great. I mean, even monsters know that pubs are great. The old now back back to the actual text on screen. The old mage, beaming at the sight of his precious orange companion, rushes forward and scoots Melemico off his shoulder. Grinsman rolls his eyes and frowns. Oh, you you are safe! Oh, this is glorious! Thank you, what? Thank you! Buren places the salamander on his right shoulder, and the creature promptly curls up and closes his eyes. All right then, says Grinsman, still frowning. That'll be just about enough of all this. Tricks? I want that thing out of here at once! Buren seems to take offence at the way where Grits was throwing to his beloved pet and ignores the innkeeper. He turns to face you and thanks you again for finding and returning Memenko. With that, the tall, thin May strides out of the common room and exits the inn. Now, it's just that, and I thank you as well, says Cornwall, placing his hand on his shoulder. I believe that's not the first time you've saved the old inn. That old man and his warp match, he's going to end up, end up getting someone killed one of these days. You're right. How do you want to have her around, Wood? Make yeah, make no mistake about it. As Grunsmuir as moves off to tend to the brewing crisis in the common room, you make your way out of the inn for a bit of fresh air. Just outside the front doors, you run into Buren. The old mage, with Mamnico perched on his shoulder, bows deeply and thanks you again. A man of meagre means, he says apologies. But you must know, I'll find some way to repay you. After all, you rescued me the only thing the only thing that means anything at all to me. You are truly noble, what? I won't ever forget this. You tell the mage known as Tricks that no repayment is necessary, but he quickly shakes his hand and waves a long, bony finger at you. Mamiko and I never forget a debt. Think of something, won't we, Mamiko? That's right, of course we'll. Yes, yes. There's no doubt to be had about it. Buhin bids you farewell, and you watch the old mage, mage and his orange companion depart. Depart, having pleased to have played a key role in reuniting the odd pair. For several minutes following the departure of Buhin and Mirko, you linger about just outside the inn, taking in the fresh night air and listening to the sounds of evening come to life. You're about to turn and step back into the goblin claw when your eyes are suddenly drawn to your white wrist. There, freshly emblazoned on your skin, is a sick tattoo in the likeness of a small, tall, thin flame. Your thoughts immediately return to the hooded goblins you encountered in the, in the cellar and you find yourself once again wondering what the foul creatures might have been up to. With little desire to dwell on the details of the recent encounter beneath the inn, you int and keenly intent upon finding out, about, finding out about the glowing hatch, you step back into the notorious establishment and prepare to hit up its not equally notorious innkeeper for a frothing flagon. Okay, 384 XP to general, 32 experience to all. The skills and powers, and that's a very good reward indeed, because it's, it's just 28 of them, so it adds up. The end, you've reached the end of Seven Goblins, part 6, The Search for Malenko, 
And it is done. Alright, that now. Right, I'm just going to save the game. And stop. Brief update. We've now, I've now finished recording the adventure where you retrieve that shield, which, which we mentioned at the start of this episode. It's called In, Into the Cellar of the Goblin Claw in Toodles. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.